do this. Let's talk about talk. Well, hello there, Talk About Talk listeners. I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. Thanks for listening. Talk About Talk is where you can learn to communicate more effectively so you can do better at work and improve your relationships with everyone around you. If you go to talkabouttalk.com, you can see the full archive of all the communication skills topics that we've covered in both the podcasts and the email blogs. Before we get into today's topic of conducting interviews, I want to clarify the difference between the Talk About Talk podcast and the email blog. I want to make this really clear based on a conversation I had recently when I was out with friends who also happen to be podcast listeners. Here's the thing. The Talk About Talk podcast is bi-weekly, every second week. The email blog is weekly. So with the email blog, you'll get communication coaching from me once a week. Yes, I introduce the bi-weekly podcast and provide some fun behind-the-scenes stuff related to the podcast, but I also cover totally separate topics that we haven't covered at all in the podcast. For example, recently the email blog has covered topics such as the introvert and extrovert scale, the generations, such as boomers and millennials, and how to properly conduct an introduction. These are a few of the topics that have only been covered in the email blog. So if you only listen to the podcast and you aren't subscribed to the email blog, you're missing out on half the learnings. You can sign up easily on the talkabouttalk.com website, or you can email me directly at andrea at talkabouttalk.com and I'll sign you up. Okay, enough about that. Let's get into this. Today's episode is focused on the skill of conducting interviews, as in you being the one who's asking the questions. It could be a job interview, an information-seeking interview, a journalistic interview, or perhaps the interview is for entertainment purposes, like an interview that's presented as a written article, a live interview on stage, or a podcast interview. In the future, we'll also have an episode about being on the other side of the desk, how to rock it in a job interview, being the one who's interviewed. But today, we focus on conducting interviews. Our guest expert today is Mr. David Shore. For those of you who are subscribed to the Talk About Talk email blog, you may recall that last year, I was interviewed on stage for a live improv show here in Toronto called Monkey Toast. Not something you do every day, right? Well, not me. But thanks in large part to David, it was an incredibly positive experience. So, I asked David if I could interview him about how to successfully conduct an interview. And here we are. In this episode, you'll learn many things. You'll learn about honing your interviewing skills. There is no magic bullet. It takes time and practice. Even the most skilled interviewers, like say the HR expert in your firm who conducts job interviews, or famous interviewers like podcaster Tim Ferriss or the late night TV show hosts, none of them were born instantly skilled at interviewing. In fact, in Tim Ferriss' podcast, he frequently talks about his early interviews are cringeworthy. He also mentions how the successful people that he interviews all put their pants on one leg at a time, and they all experienced multiple failures prior to their success, including himself. That reminds me, we also talk about how some of the best interviewers are not the best humans. While all great interviewers are charming when they're interviewing, think Oprah Winfrey, think Mark Maron, Think Matt Lauer or Gian Gomeshi. I could go on. They're all charming during the interviews, aren't they? But clearly, not all of them are good humans. Okay, back to honing our interview skills. It takes time. It takes practice. There are no shortcuts, except for this one thing that our guest expert David Shore suggests. If you take the time to critically 
watch or listen to tape of yourself or even others conducting interviews, you can probably accelerate your interview skill development. In this episode, you'll also learn how to prepare for an interview, including the importance of doing research about your interviewee, tips on how and why to conduct pre-interviews, and of course, writing your interview script. Then there's how to make the interviewee comfortable before and during the interview. And other tips for during the interview, including listening and engaging, but also not hesitating to take a few seconds to look down to reference your interview script. And other tips, such as making sure that the focus is on the interviewee and what to do when your interviewee is nervous or they're not talkative. And then there's the types of questions that work well. Let me tell you this, David's advice about the yes-no question just might surprise you. David also provides me with some advice in terms of my interviewing skills. So there's lots of valuable learnings here for us in this interview. As always, you can easily access the summary or the details of this podcast by going to talkabouttalk.com, clicking on podcasts, and then show notes. I have to tell you something quickly. I was listening to a podcast this week hosted by one of my favorite podcasters, and he actually said, there's lots of detail in this episode, so you might want to go get a paper and a pen. And I thought, uh, no, how about you summarize it for me? And that is exactly why I create these show notes for you. And I've heard from several listeners that they appreciate these show notes. So keep doing whatever you're doing, driving, walking, housework, whatever. You can listen and learn at the same time. And then later, you can go to the show notes on the Talk About Talk website to reference whatever it is you need. Now, let me introduce our guest expert, David Shore, and then we'll get into the interview. David is an improviser, a comedy writer, an improv instructor, a celebrity interviewer, a podcaster, and an actor. He's the artistic and executive director of a Canadian comedy award-winning show called Monkey Toast, the improvised talk show. This is the show where he interviewed me on stage. If you're curious, you can check out Monkey Toast at monkeytoast.com. David's also the producer and host of The Panel Show, where they bring together two real journalists and two improvisers to talk about politics and real-world issues. The panel show is recorded in front of a live studio audience and then also released as a podcast. David's also served as a producer host of Alumnus of the Second City Main Stage and the I.O. West, as a program consultant for BBC Comedy, and as a writer for Reader's Digest. He's also taught improv in the UK at the Second City Training Centre, and at the Bad Dog Theatre here in Toronto. As you can see, David's interviewing experience is extensive. He's conducted interviews that appeared in print, he's conducted live interviews on stage, and he's conducted interviews that are edited for podcasts. So here I am, interviewing the interviewer about interviewing. Thank you, David, so much for joining us to talk about interviewing. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I love your artwork, as I've said, by the way. Oh, that's so nice of you. Yeah. Especially after you've been so gracious and patient with me as I'm trying to set up my audio equipment. The listeners don't know this because my audio equipment wasn't working, but I was having major problems recording and David was incredibly patient and he told me that it wasn't bothering him at all. I've been on your end of it. So I know, you know, you were on my show Monkey Toast and we were recording it for a podcast, which we decided not to do. It's very difficult to record a live comedy show, particularly that has like live music. And we had nights where some of the equipment wasn't working and we have to open the door because we have a big crowd and it was a, it was a nightmare. And then even with my other podcast, the panel show, some nights we had radio interviews interference from uh, cell phones. So this is a new one that I hadn't heard of. Radio interference from cell phones. Yeah, apparently it's not uncommon. Huh. Depending on the venue, depending on the equipment. 
So well, I why totally, don't you share with the audience um, some of the types of interviews that you've done? And then if we want, we could, we could get into equipment malfunctions. <laughs> sure. I'm an improviser by trade, which people are like, what's that? I, I, you know, I guess people would say I'm a comedian, but I don't do stand-up. I did back when I was in high school. I, I you know, trained as an improviser out in LA at the Improv Olympic and then came back to Toronto, which was the second city on the main stage there for about 18 months. And then when I left, I started my own show, Monkey Toast, which was an improv show. And it morphed into a talk show when CBC Radio got involved. And so they trained me, taught me how to interview people. And we worked with them for about a year and we kept it as a talk show. Through that, I've got to meet, I mean, that's how I met you. You were a guest on the show. We're always looking for interesting people. And, and through that as well, for a while, I did celebrity interviews for Reader's Digest Canada. Ah. We did a corporate show for them and they loved it. So you were interviewing celebrities? I did. I interviewed William Shatner. Oh. The first, they called me, hey, David. And she goes, we'd love for you to interview Dave Thomas from SCTV for our comedy issue. I'm like, okay. She's like, we'll pay you. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Sounds good. Everything I kept saying was like, okay. Because like, you want to pay me to interview one of the people I idolized growing up. Huh. It, we had to do it over the phone. And he was great. And they loved the interview and said, hey, do you want to do more of these? And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to be published in a magazine that pays well and is read by 9 million people in Canada? So I gave them a list of people with Don Rickles, I think was on the top. <laughs> and Bobby Orr, I think. That's hilarious. But they were like, it had to be Canadian. So they said, we like the idea of you interviewing William Shatner. If we send you to LA to interview him, who else can you interview there? Mm. Can't just say and do one interview. And at the time, some of you may have heard my name, David Shore, going, that name sounds familiar. And that's because there's a very famous David Shore. He's the creator of the TV show House and The Good uh, Doctor. right. And I know him. You know, we know each other. He's from London, Ontario. He's a nice Canadian as well. I had a Seder once with him in Los Angeles. So I said, what about David Shore? He just won the Emmy for House. And they liked the idea of David Shore interviewing David Shore. Yeah. I had a phone number, an email address, and I contacted his wife. And they're like, of course we remember you. How could we not remember the other David Shore? Why would you say no to be interviewed by Reader's Digest? Nine million people are going to read what you said. Especially so. when it's someone that has your name. Yeah, it was a really good interview, actually. It was, it was, it was pretty funny. So you're yeah. interviewing people for magazines, and then now you're interviewing people on stage, and it's live. Yeah. And then yeah. you're also interviewing people for podcasts, which can be edited. So I have so many questions about, yes. let's start with, at a basic level, how are those different? Well, you know, I haven't done a print one in a long time. I mean, the Reader's Digest, you know, I do an hour interview and then I would have to transcribe it. And then that would give me about 20 pages and they would cut it down to maybe a page or three quarters of a page. William Shatner's was titled Space Cowboy or something like that because he he has a ranch and is really into horses. And I think he had some charities involved with kids and getting them onto horses and stuff. And with David Shore, we talked about his background and the fact that now that he has a show on the air again, a successful show, I will get emails directed at him. You know, someone asked me to be in a podcast. I think a guy was him. Actors will contact me. When House was on, I got fan mail sent to my agents, you know, because I'm an actor as well. And so I, one of the things I asked him was like, have you ever been mistaken for me? Has I ever contacted you? That's a great question to ask him. And he said, yeah, I once got a call from a guy and he's called, we're talking and he's like, this is the way my friend John talks. John was like, you're, you're not, you're not the Dave Shore I know. <laughs> and it was this friend of mine, John Wolf, who actually works on Jimmy Kimmel. Name drop. And uh, yeah. <laughs> he called the wrong Dave, David Shore. So I want to go back a little bit to interviewing skills. Earlier on here, you said that CBC taught you to interview. Can you share with the listeners a few of the things that maybe you remember from back then that they taught I, you? Because it was a long time ago. I don't yeah. remember much. Like I, met, I forget the name of the gentleman I met with. And he played tapes for me of interviews. Mm. And he would say, can you see why that was bad? And, and a, a big thing was, do you think this will bring down the government? Yes. That's a bad question. Anything that gives you a yes or no answer is a bad question. Right. Unless you follow it up with why. 
So open-ended questions is kind of like, I don't know, the low-hanging fruit for the types of questions to ask, right? It's well, you, think, don't, you don't want to ask yes or no questions because right. that's what you're, you're, you will typically get a yes or no answer, particularly if the person you're interviewing is nervous. The most important thing if you're interviewing someone is to have them relax. Like I'm not a journalist. I'm not, like I told you before the show, if I ask you a question and you realize, oh, I don't want to talk about this, just say I don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. and I'm going to move on. And, and, you know, it's a comedy and I want them to be comfortable. Like I kept telling you, I just want you to be comfortable. You're just, you're just talking to me. Yep. That's I remember it. we spoke on the phone the yeah. day before the interview and you yeah. said, I just want you to be comfortable. Just talk and I'll guide you. And But that to me is the most important thing. You have to, you have to make the person comfortable. And then it's a conversation. Like you want to be engaged. I, I need to listen to you. I, I always over-prepare. No matter what, for Reader's Digest as well. I think when I interviewed uh, William Shatner, I read two of his books. And I'd, I'd seen all of Star Trek. Um, just because I'd seen all Star Trek. Trek. got it. I was, yeah. But not like, I don't have any costumes or anything. But, um, <laughs> but I, I also got some videos or DVDs from the library where he interviewed. There was one where him and Leonard Nimoy are interviewing each other. And so there's valuable information in that. Because I, I went well prepared knowing every, I, I With him, with most people for a long time, I knew the answer to every question. But at the same time, you have to be able to go off the cuff. So I was just going to say, in almost any context of interviewing, it could be for journalists trying to get information for a story. Yeah. It could be for entertainment purposes. It could be for a job interview. I heard you say a couple of times that the most important thing is to make the interviewee relax yeah. and to feel comfortable. So let's talk about when the interviewee is not relaxed or they don't appear yeah. to be comfortable. Do you have any stories or advice about that? Well, I've had a few guests, like I think over the years, I could think, like we've been doing Monkey Toast for 17 years. And I could think of three guests who were horrible. I'm not going to name any of them. No, don't do that. But they were people who just didn't want to talk. Like two of them didn't want to talk. One of them, I said, so you've got a new book coming out about hockey. And I tell us about it, he goes, it's just a book. Wow. And I remember thinking, you're literally killing me. Also and, themselves. How, yeah, is, and, how is that serving their own interest to sell more books? I don't know, but. You know, so what was going on? Was he nervous? No, I haven't, I don't know. But after the show, there was a reviewer there, like a, a journalist, you know, and said, wow, that was hard. I said, tell me about it. Because <laughs> I had to answer all the questions. Every question I asked him, I answered. So it probably depends on the person's personality in terms of getting them to talk. But I like the idea. Generally, we would advise against leading questions or helping answer the question. But sometimes people just need a little prop up, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's rare, right? Like, like you know, that's three people I can think of in, in 17 years. Like typically, if I know someone is quiet, I don't want to book them as a guest to interview. Right. So I did do that. I had an old neighbor on and he was a musician in a band that was fairly well known at the time. And I remember the lead singer came and he said, I can't believe he talked because <laughs> he's really quiet. I didn't realize because we would hang out in the backyard and have beers and he was quite talkative. But then, but he has, he's known as being a quiet, stoic guy. Mm. And when I interviewed him, it's like, oh yeah, you are quiet. Like he would give short answers and I'm like, short answers were never. Well, some people are good with one-on-one, right? And then yeah. if they're in a room or in front of a mic- microphone, it's a completely different story. No, for sure. And that's, it's just learning and and. You're going to make mistakes. Like in anything, you're going to make mistakes. Like we were talking a bit before we started recording. You know, it took me a year to get good at doing interviews. It's a skill. Part of the problem in Western society is when you watch, you know, a film or a TV and someone's instantly good at something or they show a montage that takes 10 seconds. It's like, well, no, to be good. I remember when Jimmy Fallon started on The Tonight Show and I thought he's terrible at interviews. Yeah. That's because he's probably never done it before. Yeah. But he's quite good at it now. You know, it took, took I a don't want to name names, but there are some people on TV on late night that I think very highly of that are horrible interviewers. Well, it's, it's a different skill than being it is. funny. It and, is. It's, and, you know, 
if you were to ask me who were my favorite interviewers, I love Seth Meyers and Colbert, and, and I watch most of the comedy clips from their shows. And I will watch if there's a certain guest I want to see, but I don't even let, I, I watched Letterman every day. I taped Letterman every day, but it was, it wasn't for the interview. It was for the comedy. Mm. Like it's a different skill. Totally. Yeah. Totally different skill. Yeah. And you can do both though? <laughs> <laughs> I can. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, I think part of being good, look, if I'm, if I'm interviewing someone, it's, it's not about me. It's about them. The show is about you. The show is not about me. And since my show is a comedy show, I'll interject. And I know there's certain times where it's like, if I say this right now, I'm going to get a huge laugh. And sometimes I'm feeling particularly funny. And that's what you want it to be. You want it to be a conversation. But at the same time, I don't want to overpower them. I don't want to dominate it. Unless someone is super shy and doesn't want to talk. Okay, so in the, in, in the context of a live improv comedy show, you're thinking, well, the audience just wants to be entertained, right? If you're an investigative journalist and you're there yeah. being paid to get information from someone and they refuse, that's tough. Yeah. I keep thinking the third context is a job interview. If the person's not talking, well, they're not getting the job. <laughs> no, they're not getting the job. And it's funny because, you know, when you asked me about the show, I said, sure. And then you were talking about job interviews. And it's like, I can't remember the last time I was on a job. I mean, I auditioned for things, which is, I think, worse than a job interview. It's <laughs> tough. Um, it's tough. Yeah. But I haven't been in a job interview in a long time. And I, I think, you know, the older you get, the more it's like, you know what? It's, I mean, like dating is like a job interview. True. Right. And when I moved back to True. Here, I started dating again and I thought, oh, I'm just me. I'm not going to pretend anything because if you don't like me and I don't like you, what is the point? Exactly. You know, like You're I've, wasting your time. I've been in a bad marriage. I've been in a bad relationships. I've been in good relationships. And it's like the good relationships are people who, who, who loved me for who I was and weren't trying to change me. And, and it's just like, I'm going to be me. I don't want to three months in, you find out, oh, this is really you. And I've heard that exact advice which is tough to do also, but for a job interview. Yeah. One of my recent guests suggested creating a 60-second infomercial about yourself mm. that is totally honest about yeah. your capabilities and your goals. Yeah. And yeah. making sure that if you're in a job interview, that you're holding true to your personal 60-second infomercial. It's kind of the same thing when you're dating. Yeah. Who do you think are the best interviewers that you listened to or read or observed? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you sent me an email saying, oh, this is one of the questions I want to ask you. And I thought, oh, who are the best interviewers? And unfortunately, two of the people that I used to really love watching interviews, they were exposed during Me Too. Uh, really? Yeah, Charlie Rose. Oh, okay. I used to love Charlie Rose. Yeah. And Tavis Smiley, who I literally did a Google search there. It's like, oh, Tavis Smiley, got, he did some stuff too. Okay, so I have to tell you this then. Okay. One of the best interviews I ever saw in my life, in fact, I got my kids to watch it, yeah. was Gian Gomeshi interviewing oh, Carrie yeah. Fisher. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And what a guy. Yeah. So I told you I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you do in advance of an interview? And we've talked about yeah. it a little bit, right? Like you like to talk to the person that you're going to interview to see if there's anything. I, I don't always talk. I mean, it's usually through email. Like yep. in the early days of the show, somebody would do a pre-interview. Yep. Um, what do you think about pre-interviews? It makes sense. I mean, it does. If do, well, if you're do, if you're doing a late night TV show, you need to have something to talk. You're trying to make people laugh and engage them. And you know, if someone's coming on to promote something, sure, you're going to talk about that, but you just can't talk about that. You need some stories. Mm -hmm. I'll email people saying, "Is there anything you particularly do want to talk about or don't want to talk about?" Because there might be something I want to talk about. You're like, "I don't want to talk about it." Uh, Jed Whalen had said, "Just don't ask me about how we all met," because I've been asked that to death. So I so I asked her on the show. When you do press in the States, what's the one question that you're sick of? Because oh, I do, that's I, a good question. So I thought I'd put it that way, you know, because as she goes, our origin story, we've told it so many times. And, uh, and I, I get that. Like Dave Thomas, when I interviewed him, 
had no issue telling me about how Bob and Doug McKenzie came about. Yeah. He, I could hear the joy in his voice because uh, it had to be a phone interview, but he had no issue retelling the whole story. So it's what do you want to talk about? What do you not want to talk about? What's off limits? And then I, I love your also your point about, do you have any great stories? Don't tell me the story, you don't, but yeah. what should I ask you about? And I use the Hebshire thing. And, and other times people are like, how did you know this? And I'm like, a lot of it's on Wikipedia. Like I'll do research. Depending on the person, there might be a lot of information on the line. They might, like if they're an author, I'll, I'll probably get their book. Linda McQuaid, I bought her last book and we talked, you know, about that. Yeah. Everyone should You know, read I've been Linda reading McQuaid. a lot of books recently from people that I'm interviewing and I love it. I'm reading, yeah. I'm reading it more. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm reading it more intensely because yeah. I, I generally do read t- to learn, but it's, it's, it's a totally different angle yeah. to reading something when you know you're going to be talking to the author later. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. Cause things will come up. You could definitely get, you'll, you'll definitely find lots of questions and things to talk about. And, and even could be like, how did you think about this? Yeah. So you have to do research. Some people are more off the cuff, but I like to be prepared. And by that, I mean, I try and write a flow to the questions. What about during the interview? So try to ask open questions, try to make the guest comfortable and relaxed. Is there anything in your head that you're thinking? To make this the best it can be, I need to... Well, I try to focus on them and I try and engage if there's something, because there might be a follow-up question or it might lead to something else or it might lead into a question I have. Um, So focus and listening? You really have to listen. You know, everything is about listening. Yes, it is. And and you can't get distracted. Like I got distracted. I I told you when I was interviewed, I got distracted because there was a band playing downstairs. All I could think is we're recording the show for podcasts and there's band music and I got really upset. But I could, you know, I knew enough of what you were saying. And as well, I have a script of questions. And that's the other thing. Don't be afraid. Like, it's not uncommon where you get caught in a flow of conversation. You look at your paper and you just ask that question. Or where's the next question that makes sense? And you have to flip a page. It's like, it's not a big deal. Right. You know, it like, takes some confidence to do that, though. It just and takes experience. time. And knowing that, you know, this will take three seconds. The audience is going to care if I take three seconds to find a good question or looking at my page. And like you said, on a podcast, you can edit that out. In a TV show, they can if this if you know they might retake something. I do want to come back to like the good interviewers though, because I there's so many people to talk about. Right? Yeah, tell me who. So you said the two that you were gonna. Well, Charlie Rhodes and Tavis Smiley yeah. were two of my favorite interviewers, and the reason being that people aren't always being just themselves. Their guard isn't down, but on Charlie Rhodes, everyone let their guard down. Mm. And same with Tavis Smiley. And I remember particularly Howard Stern years ago being on on Charlie Rose. And just, here's the real guy, not the guy you hear on the radio. This is really him just letting his guard down. I think today, Howard Stern is one of the best interviewers there oh. is. And it's interesting because you look at Tavis Smiley and Charlie Rose, who, who you find all these things about them. It's like, oh, these guys are a disgrace. Howard Stern for years was considered by lots of people, he's a pig, he's this. But he's gone through all this therapy and he really just engages people in a conversation. His interviews are excellent. Like, I don't know if you saw his interview with Hillary Clinton. No. He wanted to have her on before the election because he said, I really think I could have humanized her to a lot of voters. Uh, he was all for her. Like Trump had asked her to like introduce him at the convention. The And he's like, no, I'm a Hillary. I look, I'm for Hillary. You know, and what does it feel? So you're there on the dais when yeah. he's getting sworn in. And she was just very, she let her guard down. Mm-hmm. But when celebrities come on as well, they all let their guard down. He just, and he really, he cares. You can tell he cares yeah. and he's interested. And he's not necessarily keeping to his trip, but I'm sure there's some people doing some research. Oh, yeah. He's prepared. And, yeah. and he must study. He's it. also really smart. But, yeah. you know, it sounds, I, I keep thinking of the word charming. Yeah. So these other two guys, right? Gian Gomeshi and Howard Stern, they're all charming. Yeah, I guess. So. Well, I guess. I, I never 
thought of any of those terms for any of those people, but I guess it does apply. So charming in the sense that it's almost like, wow, he's paying attention to me and he's really interested in what I have to say. Well, that's the thing is the interview should be about you. Right. Like they should do less of the talking and let you ask you a question that you can just talk about and get you to feel comfortable. So maybe to be a good interviewer, you want to, you want to charm the person, not in, not in a schmarmy way. I'm sure there's some people who've been out there who've been good at it. I, it obviously, Charlie Rose and Tavis Fawley did things in their personal lives where it's like, the, you know, it's very questionable. And I do listen to Mark Maron's podcast, the WTF. If there's someone I'm interested in, if there's someone, oh, I, I like to hear what they have to say. Like his interviews are quite good. Yeah, I've heard a few of those. You know, you should listen to the Will Ferrell interview, Mark Maron, because he's mm. talking about, you know, about failure. A lot of, Conan too, I think talk, a lot of them talk about failure and, so I think things like that is to see that other people have the same anxieties. Like these famous people are nervous about the same things. And I think the Mark Maron podcast is good. And so is Howard Stern. And Conan O'Brien does that too. The kind of uh, divulging the inadequacies that he may feel. Yeah. And, and Howard Stern said that that was his best interview ever. Mm. Like named Conan the best interview ever. They felt mm. he felt they really connected. It was a big deal. They had a thing announcement on the show. And I bought his book, his latest book, which is all interviews, which he says, this is my legacy. It's my greatest achievement other than mm. his kids is tome of interviews. And that's the thing is everybody lets their guard down with him, you know? And I think it's because they trust. I think when you, like Charlie Rose, people trusted him. So I don't mind making myself vulnerable here before we move on to the five rapid fire questions. I have a question for you that I did not pre-issue to you. That's okay. I'm fine with that. But I want you to know that I am comfortable in you being completely honest. Do you have any advice for me in interviewing? Just be yourself. Don't worry if you flub something. And, And don't worry... Like, don't worry about it. If you have a bad episode, who cares? If you have an episode that's like, I can't hear this, who cares? Then don't. Then don't. Then when I was in broadcasting school there, they were like, it's not, they kept saying it's not brain surgery. So we're going to move on now to the five rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Oh yeah, let's do it. First question, what are your pet peeves? Um, Slow moving people on, on, on like the subway or... Living in London, you have to move quickly. If you're like walking up Oxford Street or you're, or you're getting through the tube and you'd be tourists just kind of standing there and it's like, you've got to get out of the, get out of the way <laughs> because the tube's horrible and everyone just wants to get off the tube. When I'm on the subway here, people are like, oh, the train is, I'm like, that's not full. In London. You haven't seen full. There, it's almost like London is maybe one half step away from Japan where there's a guy forcing you on with a stick. Yeah. Like you're that close to people. And Wow. You know, so yeah, people need to move. Okay. Question number two. Yeah. What type of learner are you? Visual, auditory, kinesthetic, or some other kind of learner? Listening and visual. Like my cousin and I, Professor Richard, would talk about this all the time. He'd read something in a book and retain it. Whereas if I watch a documentary, I'll retain it for decades. I'll retain that information better visually. Question number three, introvert or extrovert? A bit of both, to be honest. And, and I don't think that's a contradiction. Like I, there'll be times where I'm just very quiet. Um, I'm not really that comfortable at parties. Let's say no people. Like I'm not great at meeting people. I don't like awkwardness. Question number four, communication yeah. preference for personal conversations. Well, now it's texting. I'd always prefer to talk to people. I never liked emailing people. Like sometimes I'd email someone and I'd say, hey, listen, please don't take any tone in this. There's no tone intended. Because someone could read an email and take, oh, that's really rude. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the phone, uh, they don't hear that. 
because they can hear your tone. Right. So if I'm making plans, I'd rather talk to somebody, but given the way things are today, it's usually texting. It is. Uh, and with an emoji. Right. I was just right? going to say that. So you add the emoji so people know you're winky or... Well, that's what someone else said to me. They always add an emoji. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. At the time, I was like, I don't know how to use emojis. Or, and now someone... When we're done here, we're going to set up your Bitmoji on your phone. I've got Bitmoji. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Question number five, podcast or blog or email newsletter that you find yourself recommending the most lately? Oh, that's a good question. Like I said, if, if it's someone I want to listen to, like if it's a guest I'm interested in, WTF, Mark Mayer. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Greg Proops makes me laugh. What um, other podcasts do you subscribe to? I get Canada Land. Like I, I'm part of, a, I'm a Patreon member of Canada Land because I think they do some some good work that doesn't mm-hmm. that otherwise gets looked over. Oh, sorry. And the Secret Life of Canada, I listen to as well. Um, yeah. Thank so. you very, very much for sharing your insights with me about interviewing. That was a pleasure. I talked too much. Enjoy editing this. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to talk too much. That's funny. <laughs> well, I did it. I interviewed the interviewer about interviewing. David is so gracious and easy to talk with, isn't he? Thank you again, David, for sharing your expertise on conducting an interview and for reminding me to just relax. It's not brain surgery. So what were your favorite insights? Let me share with you three of my favorite learnings from this conversation. First, the pre-interview. Specifically, three questions to ask the person in advance. One, what do you want to talk about? Two, what's off limits? And then this one's my favorite. Is there a story that you want to tell? Don't tell me the story, but tell me what it's about so that I can cue you up. I love that question. I'm definitely going to use that in the future. Then there's my second favorite point from this conversation. During the interview, no matter the context, a job interview or a live interview on stage or whatever, your main job as the interviewer is to listen and engage. Being in the moment and responsive to what the person is saying is obviously important. But also, and this is key, don't hesitate to take a few seconds to look at the questions that you prepared. It's no big deal. My last favorite point, contrary to what the experts might say, the yes-no question is not off-limits. I'm thinking, if you're conducting a job interview or any kind of interview, frankly, you might want to know where the person stands on something. So go ahead, ask the yes-no question. But then David reminds us, of course, you have to follow up with asking why. All right, as I said, we'll definitely have a future episode focused on being on the other side of the desk, how to rock it in a job interview. As always, I would love to hear what you think about this episode, any ideas you have for future episodes, or anything else. You can email me anytime at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. And as I said at the beginning, I really hope you'll sign up for free communication coaching through the weekly Talk About Talk email blog. Just go to the talkabouttalk.com website and sign up there. Or you can email me directly and I'll add you to the list. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and talk soon. Talk soon.